0: Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your special host, Neva, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello.
1: Hey.
2: Here we are, episode 10. If you missed last week's show, I suggest you check it out. We talked about Yo Mega Yo-Yos, Duck Coach, Mike Ditka, and the best marketed learning system ever, Hooked on Phonics.
1: That's right, but uh, that's until you ask the FTC about all the customer complaints, though. (laughs) It didn't work for me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, before we get too far into this week's episode, you may have noticed that Adam's voice has changed, and that he now goes by Neva. However, (laughs) you would be mistaken in that assumption. Uh, Adam is actually on a work trip while we recorded this, and we've been toying with the idea uh, for having a guest for some time now, so uh, we're giving it a try.
2: Neva is actually one of the co-hosts to the fitness and wellness podcast, The Full Fat Foodies. So Neva, tell us about your show um, qualifications for being the ideal dating ourselves guest.
0: Sure. Well, thank you guys for having me on. And Brian, as far as I know, what you just said is that Adam is actually too lazy to be on the show today. Am I am I
1: mistaken? <laughs> so he, he is uh, he is out of town doing something fun. So
0: since
1: <laughs> you guys embarrassed me for being in New Orleans. We can embarrass him for being in Austin.
0: Well, I am glad to be here in his stead. So this is actually a really awesome uh, episode for me to be joining you guys because I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. One little trivia fact about me is that I was a theater major in college and on my theater resume, one of my special skills at the bottom was my encyclopedic Harry Potter trivia knowledge. So this is a good show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, wonderful. Well, did you want to tell us anything about um your your podcast at all?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I host the Full Fat Foodies. It's a weekly health, fitness, wellness uh, podcast that I host with um, and my best friend, Kathy. And we, uh, yeah, we're just two normal people with zero qualification talking about fitness. So if that's your thing, join us every week on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: awesome. wonderful. That's really great to hear. So you'll definitely have to check them out, folks. Um, but on today's episode... Uh, Paul will be discussing the least violent and somewhat cute 2D fighter game, Super Smash Brothers, a topic submitted by Daniel H. of Columbia, South Carolina. I'm going to be going over the shortest-length digital recorder in history, The Yakback, submitted by Steve R. of Holland, Michigan. And as Neva mentioned, she's going to lead us muggles into a Harry Potter nerd fest. So, Paul, let's smash it up. Mortal Kombat!
2: Oh, wrong game.
1: Different game. Different game. <laughs> but, it, but it's a 2D fighter.
2: It sort of counts, right?
1: <laughs> it's much less cute, for sure. <laughs>
2: Fair enough. So Super Smash Bros. was introduced by Nintendo in 1999. It was released on the 64, and uh, it went worldwide after selling a million copies in Japan. So it was actually out internationally long before it ever hit the um, United States. Wow, um, it is a 2D uh, fighting game, which means it is a you know left and right side-scrolling type game. It had eight characters from the start: uh, Mario, Donkey Kong, Link, Yoshi, Kirby, Fox, Pikachu, and I'm forgetting the eighth one. Jigglypuff. Uh, Jigglypuff no. was one of the unlockables, so he wasn't ah. one of the guys you got. But he, or it, he was part of the game. You are right. There was Captain Falcon, Luigi, uh, okay. Jigglypuff. But as far as like the base game before you played through and unlocked him, uh, he... Jigglypuff's a boy, right?
1: I always Jigglypuff. made that assumption. Is... Well, I thought Jigglypuff was a girl, but I don't know. I've never asked.
2: Hmm. Well, <laughs> he's pink, so
1: she... <laughs> it's pink. We'll go with yeah. There you go. This Their is when we thing.
2: reference the Google
1: machine. <laughs> so
2: it was one of the first games to uh, incorporate n- the Nintendo world with its secondary characters, so the, like the sub-characters of the like your Sega characters and your sublease characters from other games that weren't just like Mario, Donkey Kong, Princess Peach, etc. Uh, the concept for the game, Nintendo's idea is they wanted it to be more of a party game than a fighting game. So you don't kill the other player, you knock them off of the world, so to speak, off of the stage.
1: And, and I always thought that was really interesting too because there was no like health bar or power bar. It wasn't like like you mentioned Mortal Kombat where you would just beat the guy until that bar went all the way to the end and they no longer had any more health. It was kind of a arbitrary subjective percentage system.
2: <laughs> yes. So you had a damage percentage as you attack the other player, and that damage would go up instead of down. So like when you think of a traditional fighter game, you start at 100, it goes to zero. Add zero, you win. That's not the case with this game. As you inflict damage on the other person, the damage indicator goes up. It can go all the way up, apparently, to 999%. The thousand percent is lost. I have never seen that.
1: That would be insane.
2: (laughs) I found it on YouTube, which kind of proved that it existed, but I don't think you could really achieve it unless you're a computer
1: gotcha gotcha yeah because it gets uh you get really sensitive over about like 150 percent where like if someone sneezes on you you're basically toast
2: right so and when um basically you have to knock the person off of the stage so the level is a vertical platform and if you if you take if you do an attack that raises their damage level high enough then they won't be able to cling to the platform and you can knock them off What makes this unique is a player can save themselves by doing a double jump or grabbing the side and prevent themselves from losing the match or being eliminated from the match.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there are some characters like Kirby and and Jigglypuff who had kind of like a, um, like they would inhale a bunch of air and they could kind of puff <laughs> themselves back over to the edge. That was um, my I,
0: favorite thing. I was always Kirby and the reason is because well I feel like Kirby was like one of the more invincible characters in the game because it like is it a she? Is Kirby a she?
1: Kirby's a dude. Kirby's a okay.
0: dude. Okay. Kirby's Kirby's a dude. Okay. Well, it's pink. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to assume, <laughs> but um yeah, my favorite character to play when I was a kid was Kirby because you could like fly Over the world kind of platform. And I don't know, it was it was the coolest thing. Like you could, um, you know, fly off, but then kind of swerve back in. And it always felt like there was just more capability with Kirby. Yeah.
1: I always thought of Kirby as the Shang Tsung of Super Smash Brothers because he would <laughs> absorb other characters and would take yes. their like their looks and their abilities and stuff like that. He was definitely a cool character. So that was your favorite character to play, Neva?
0: Oh, for sure. I I was always I was always Kirby, and then whenever we unlocked it, Jigglypuff for sure. And I'm not. Sure, I was never like the pink kid. I was never like the girly pink girl, but. I don't know, I guess I just gravitated towards the gentleman, the pink gentleman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds suggestive, but okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, What about you, Paul? Who was your favorite character?
2: I was always Fox, and I liked Uh, your Shang Tsung analogy. And I'm going to say that Fox was almost like the Liu Kang with the forward kick maneuver.
1: I could see that. I could definitely see that. And I would I would have to say that my favorite character was probably Mario. And I guess if we were to make Mortal Kombat analogies for all the characters.
0: Do we have to? Do we actually have we don't, to?
1: We don't have to, but it's fun. <laughs> damn it. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would say he's most like Johnny Cage because he had that uppercut, but instead of like being like the big green shadow uppercut, it was the coin uppercut and he would make all the little ding, 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 ding sounds as he hits you multiple times. Um, and you could
2: unlock $500 sunglasses. That's right. That's right. With all the gold coins, <laughs> you might as well
1: get a few pairs. So, <laughs>
2: But. One of the things that was, like, really awesome about this game is the controls were far less complicated than other 2D fighting games. <laughs> oh, so, sure. basically, you would move in a direction, and then the attacks were basically, you just had, like, one button was punch, one button was kick, and then you made up combos by just following the action, pushing the buttons accordingly. You didn't have to memorize long, complicated patterns. Like with Mortal Kombat, if you wanted to change Shang Tsung into Nightwolf, you had to remember, you know, 13-button combo, and uh, (laughs) you probably got eliminated before you got it off.
1: Right, or like Tekken, I remember, was very, very specific about how you would do combos. So even if it was like, two punches, a kick, followed by another punch. You couldn't just press two punches, a kick, followed by a punch. It was like you had to do a certain number of directions and different things in order for that specific combo to occur, which I always thought was stupid. But... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, you know, you guys both reference, um, Mortal Kombat, and I feel like one of the coolest things about Super Smash Brothers was that, you know, for, for me, in, in my family, we were never super, you know, gamer, we, we didn't play a lot of like, Really violent video games. Um, we were more of like the Mario Kart, Mario Party mm-hmm. kids growing up. So this was one of those video games where you didn't have to be like an army general or like kill someone and blow their face off. It was just like good, wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Um, Punching. <laughs> but that's not to say that in real life we didn't punch each other because it would, it would turn into like an all out com- competitive death match, especially whenever we got the cousins together to play it. But I feel like it was super accessible for someone like me who is never like really, truly into gaming. And it was it was something you could just get a lot of people together and play and get into without a whole lot of skill. where gaming is concerned however when i was doing a little bit of research about this today because yes i did some research i (laughs) i didn't i did not realize that there are people in this world that are competitive super smash brothers gamers they have conferences where they they play each other and like legit i was watching okay i was watching like this 45 minute video earlier today where like they legitimately do commentary and like (laughs) analyze the moves that people it's insane but um I'm sure I'm the last person that's finding
2: this out. Esports is big right now. And I I find that it's kind of funny because if I had thought that was going to go somewhere when I was playing in blockbuster tournaments as a kid, I might have have actually made something (laughs) out of your life. (laughs) I I actually, you know, I probably would have, uh, you know, pursued it a little further beyond (laughs) just, you know, playing in the local, uh, you know, state championship.
1: But what's a what's a blockbuster, by the way? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, have just you just
2: kidding. dated yourself? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's where you used to go to rent videotapes. Videotapes yes. are a non volatile read only storage medium that can contain content up to 120 minutes in length.
0: And be kind, oh, rewind.
1: That's right. That's
2: right. <laughs> I just realized I'm going to have to explain what rewind is to my kids, and I don't know oh. how I feel about that. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> that's really sad.
2: But back to Super Smash Brothers, all the things that you just mentioned um, about how you used to play it with your family and how it was not like other games. I really think I agree with you 100%. And I think that's what's led to the longevity of this game. Yeah. And why it is, er, and why it's still played at tournaments. Because, I mean, you're, you're going to let little kids play this game because it isn't violent, but it has that allure of the fighting games that are meant for a more mature audience. And you're more likely to become a professional at something if you start when you're six and then play it till you're 20.
0: Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like nowadays, especially with people in our generation, I feel like the more childish or, or, or toys or games that were marketed towards, like, on the lower end of, like, teenagers or kids I feel like those are the things that we gravitate more towards in terms of nostalgia like I am super nostalgic about Mario and all of those characters um and like Pokemon and Tamagotchi and all those things that were more childish than I don't know something that like a 16 year old kid would be playing with or so I, I feel like it's so like it's so part of that nostalgia zone where it's just like it gives you the fuzzies when you think about it
1: oh I think so too I think so too Um, Now, for uh, Super Smash Bros., the levels, I think, were really interesting. I think that really added a lot of interesting aspects to the gameplay, too. Um, As Paul mentioned, there was a stage and there was places on the stage that basically were bottomless pits. And if you made it into one of those bottomless pits and weren't able to grab a ledge or double jump back onto the stage... That you, were is done. When you that was actually when you got knocked out exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. so but everyone was a little bit different and because you didn't have a decreasing power bar you had an increasing percentage of damage it really made you, you really did have to learn a lot of different strategies and techniques to really be successful at the game it wasn't just necessarily muscle memory learning how to do a special move as fast as possible as it was. This might be the time where I want to be closer to the edge as a defensive strategy, or this might be the time I want to be closest to the middle, or mm-hmm. so you like I want almost get the other
0: player to run off the platform because you were on the edge of it, but then you'd like fly across the screen and they would like charge after you, and all of a sudden they're dead.
1: Right, right. <laughs> and this was a big game in my family too, and my brother is a very very competitive video game player, not in like a, the sense like Paul was talking about where he went to tournaments and stuff. But he just always had to win, and he always played as Donkey Kong, who had this move that was similar to uh, the Razor's Edge for any uh, Razor Ramon WWF fans, (laughs) where he would throw you up on his back, and you'd just be kind of standing up there, and then you could throw someone like that, or you could walk around with them, and my brother would always be like two or three lives ahead of me, and I'd be on my last life. And he just walk off the edge, kamikaze style, taking himself out, <laughs> but wiping me completely out of the uh, competition. So, <laughs> say hello
2: to the bad guy.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One thing that struck me as odd when I was doing some research is there was a game, the second game, which came out in 2001, super smash brothers. Melee for Mm -hmm. GameCube, is actually by far more popular today than any of the other ones. And that struck me as weird. I've never played that one in particular, but when you look at the tournaments, uh, there's a tournament called the Genesis tournament. It's been around since 2009. It's, uh, actually sponsored by Nintendo. And, uh, I, the cash prize at the end of the tournament is $20,000. What? And they wow. primar- yeah. They primarily play um, Super Smash Bros. Melee. And the only real reason I could find was they claim because of the game physics. And I, I haven't played it to really you know, speak to that, but I, it just struck me as odd that anything from the GameCube would be what people go back to. <laughs> saying,
0: saying they play it that way because of the game physics is a little bit like saying we do it this way because reasons i feel like that's <laughs> not a real <laughs> like a legitimate reason and, and i i feel like far and away, like if you were just to talk to any average person and just like talk to them about super smash brothers it just immediately they would go back to the n64 version is that yeah. is that that's, is what, that off that's base? what i
2: thought too but um it, Everybody that I've talked to actually is more reminiscent of Melee, which completely blew my mind (laughs) because I'm with you. I go back to the 64, and frankly, that's the only one I've ever played, and I still play occasionally.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it had a lot more characters, too, and it had a lot of crossover characters as well. Sonic and stuff was in that, and there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of other characters, too, from a little bit more obscure games and i think they may have even had some original characters too don't quote me on that because i've never played it either but from what i remember seeing in different uh gaming magazines and stuff like that was that was one of the big draws was that it did have a much more elaborate choice for who you could pick as your players although speaking of crossover i find it really unusual that nintendo has a tournament called the genesis
2: so the Nintendo did not come up with the name. The tournament had existed since 2009, and then as of 2012, it had actually grown so big that Nintendo came in as a sponsor because other large oh. companies were actually sponsoring it. And um, $20,000 is really exciting, but this is in Oakland, so my assumption is is that's like one month's rent. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's the Bay Area for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gosh, that's crazy! Um, did you guys have any uh, particular favorite levels or any characters you really hated playing against?
0: I was just Kirby all the time, and it's just because I felt like I loved that it could like swim through the air. <laughs> that was <laughs> like my thing. I just loved like whenever it would like puff into the <laughs> into the air. <laughs> but um, I was I was like a super boring gamer in that. If I had a favorite character, I was not ever going to switch.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: I hated playing against Pikachu. I felt like his damage ratio was off like the attacks that you would do against other characters that would do insane amounts of damage. I feel like one-on-one versus Pikachu. It's like he was holding a shield in front of him that you couldn't see, or he just seemed to be able to move, you know, do the flip and move out of the way just that much faster than other characters. Yeah. And it drove me
1: insane.
0: <laughs> well that then why didn't you just play as Pikachu? 12th Principles? grade
2: logic.
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I had any characters that I didn't like playing against. I do remember in the one-player mode, there were all like the different metal characters you had to play against, though, and those were really challenging. And then, of course, the ultimate boss was just a giant white glove, like Mario's white glove, but mm-hmm. giant, and it had like all these crazy moves, like more moves than just a set of fingers and a wrist should have. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I always liked the pokemon level uh i don't remember if that's cerulean city or uh, meridian or where they were but and then the donkey kong level was really cool too because it had that floating barrel that would go underneath the level Mm -hmm. and sometimes if you got knocked off the stage you could actually fall inside of the barrel and it would be like a cannon and shoot you back up
2: Mm -hmm. when you said the pokemon city all i can think of is the song from the soundtrack in the movie we're on the road on the road.
1: Um, that's really all I have for super smash brothers. Um,
2: yeah. So that's about all I have for uh super smash brothers. I'm going to turn it over to you, Brian, to talk about the yak back.
1: Wonderful. Yes, yes. Yak back. So, uh, thank you again, uh, Daniel H from Columbia, South Carolina for submitting super smash <laughs> brothers. And you, I, uh, I forgot something. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. And, uh, and Steve R thank you for submitting what will likely be an equally fun topic. Yakbacks. So, Yakbacks. For those who may not remember, uh, they are a very small recording device. They were extremely popular in the mid to late 90s, and their intention was to be a more compact and affordable competitor to Tiger's Talkboy, of course, made super famous in Home Alone, where you know Macaulay Culkin would uh, record different things with basically like a dictaphone recorder.
0: If it's the... not Home Alone 3, it's dead to me.
1: So Mima <laughs> is one of the strangest people and her whole family
0: truly believes. to hear us right off Oh topic. no, no, no. I was going to throw
1: you under this bus anyway, but I'm glad you volunteered. Um, her whole family thinks that Home Alone 3 is the best of the Home Alone series.
0: That's because it is. And I say that with ultimate <sighs> confidence. And I, I'm, I'm challenged, but not
2: appalled. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm trying to remember all the. I'm like replaying the movie in my eyes and trying to figure out. Like what you could grasp onto on that to say that. I can that is
0: literally the better sit of. here and recite the entire movie, like from the Please beginning don't. to Please don't. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah,
1: <laughs> quite sure. Quite sure. This sounds like
0: the
2: perfect opportunity for a commentary track in the future.
1: i I'm, <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
0: I'm telling you, my family, we still watch this movie together. And I to be okay, if you if you truly want me to throw myself under the bus, I've never even seen Home Alone One or Two. I've only See seen Home Alone <laughs>
1: That's not even right. That's Bombshell. not even right. <laughs> it's
2: like one of the like, top
0: grossing movies of all time. Don't care. Dead to me. <laughs> mm. All right. You're welcome well, to move on, Brian. <laughs> can,
1: we, can we get back to Yakbacks? <laughs> so, like I mentioned, the Yakback was a recording device. It was meant to be a sleeker competitor to Tiger's Talkboy. It was developed by a guy named Ralph Osterhout. Um, for the company Team Machina, and they uh, worked with, yes, exclamation point, gear. Um, To give you a little (laughs) bit of background about our buddy boy, Ralph, he uh, actually has designed many different things. Um, Have you guys ever heard of Ralph Osterhout before? No. If you were to guess, knowing his name and knowing that he invented the yak back, can you guess how many different patents he must have had in his lifetime, just off of those things.
0: Okay, okay, Brian. If we know his name and the name Yakback, how in the world are those variables supposed to help us figure out how many patents he made?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It won't, obviously. Is this a
0: wild guessing game?
1: (laughs) It is a wild guessing game, yes.
0: (laughs) It's called Swag, some Mm. wild-ass
2: guess. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go with the answer to the life universe and everything with 42 Mm. okay
1: neva
0: my um my default number if i am to guess anything is 27
1: it would be 260 different patents that he developed over his uh career and he's still working so he's still developing more he's helped develop thousands of different products from toys and electronics To dive equipment and (laughs) military grade um, gear such as the pvs7 night vision goggles so this guy whoa is pretty accomplished but what i remember him most for is the yak back
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i had okay so i did a little bit of research on super smash brothers because i knew what that was i had honest to god i had never heard of a yak back until today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Until this this recording, was it marketed specifically towards boys?
1: Um, not necessarily. The commercial that made it really famous that came out, it was an older brother and a younger sister. And the boy basically recorded himself. So the Yakback 1, it literally just had two buttons on it. There was a say button and a play button. So you would hold say and you could record up to six seconds of content and play would obviously play it back. <laughs> he recorded himself saying are not and then the little sister would scream at him is two is not is two is not is to back and forth and back and forth and back and forth forever and ever. It's a super 90s commercial. It's super, um, you know, representative of that time period. So was it marketed for boys? No, but it seems like bigger I mean, it
0: was marketed brothers, against their sisters.
1: Right. Bigger <laughs> brothers tend to have the uh, advantage when it came to this product. So like I said, the original ad came out in December 1994, right around the holidays. Um, this recording device was about the size of a hockey puck, maybe even smaller. So it was definitely pocket size with a single speaker. Uh, In other words, it definitely did not use D batteries.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And you Uh, definitely couldn't shoot them across the room and break furniture items. So that's one for Paul's parents.
1: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Someone's someone's an avid fan over here. I did my homework. (laughs) (laughs) So the Yakback 1 came out in 1994. It had the single say button and a single play button, and that was it. One of the frustrating things for many of the users was that if you accidentally bumped the say button, it would record over whatever you had. So it could be you saying, is not, <laughs> or it could be a confession to a murder. And no matter what happened, if you accidentally... Oh my
0: god, this got dark really fast. <laughs> right, if,
1: if you bumped the say button, it would erase whatever you had on there. So and they the, were very
2: like soft buttons. They were really easy to press. I mean, oh, you could yes. press it by setting it face down, from what I remember.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they were, like, very soft. Uh, I don't even know what you would call the material. Kind of a rubbery sort of material. Um, So when the Yakback 2 was released, it basically had everything exactly like the yak except it had a locking feature. So you could flip a little switch, and it would make sure that you were unable to accidentally record whatever you had on there. And then you would just flip Mm. the lock off, and then you could, you know say and play as much as you wanted there was a whole bunch of other designs and i'm just going to really quickly go through some of these um, one of the most famous yak was the yak bag warper spelt w-a-r-p capital r um, and that had the <laughs> pit- yeah <laughs> that had the pitch modulation so you were able to make someone's voice really 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 low or you can make them really 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 high Um, kind of like that, never going to hit those notes, uh, Rick Astley video. Um, God,
2: (laughs) real quick, can you do a Barry White impression for me?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, bacon cheddar cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Come to (laughs) arms. Can I get a chipmunk
2: for comparison? (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know. What should should I say? Dance monkey
0: dance.
1: What should I say? (laughs) Like like
0: Alvin. (laughs) <laughs> yes now you may proceed
1: <laughs> go on uh, okay okay great yeah so there was the yakback warper there was the yak guard which was a motion detected kind of a proximity mine of um yak so basically like you could put one outside of your bedroom and if your little ah. sister came by to bug you, you'd be like hey leave me alone brat and she'd go cry and then your dad would come over and be like hey leave me alone brat!" and then you get really grounded um so that was kind of the <laughs> idea is that it would be kind of a motion sensitive thing um similar to i feel like
0: good- i feel like that's like a feature that in a commercial would be awesome but then an actual practicality would not be fun at all. Super annoying. Yeah. yeah. Like just so annoying. I, I'm like, while you're describing these, I'm getting like retroactive FOMO. Cause my brother and I, um, we went through this phase, I think when, when we saw spy kids, which gives you a, oh, an idea sure. <laughs> of how freaking cool we were. But, <laughs> but when we saw that, we went through this phase where we like wanted to be spies, like kid spies, so bad. And we always would pretend like our parents were the bad guys. And then like any like, kid spy-ish thing we like bought. I think this would definitely have been a wonderful tool in our in our spy arsenal. Oh yeah. But <laughs> and we had like the backwards <laughs> glasses and like the little recording devices and a I, tube
2: this, that could see around corners.
0: Yes, yes, we definitely had that.
1: <laughs> it's kind of funny cuz my brother and I were the same way like we got really into spy stuff, but it would literally alternate about every 6 months from being really interested in spy stuff and then really interested into magic,
0: oh, um, yeah. like
1: like the different card tricks and the different, uh, you know, pulling, like, ribbons out of your sleeves. And we were mm-hmm. never any good at it, but how cool would it be to learn magic? I suppose we'll learn about that in a little bit when we talk about Harry Potter. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the story that I was actually thinking of, Neva, was um, – when we were talking about the, the yak guard being outside the door, I was remembering that you actually had a doorbell when you were uh, <laughs> when you were, a Which, kid. again,
0: was another thing that sounded amazing when you bought it, but in practicality was the most annoying thing in the entire world. So just to set the stage really quickly, there was a girl... Like a, like a girl's, like, tween store called Limited 2. It's now, I think, called Justice or something stupid. Oh, but, um, familiar. Well, we're, we're, we're familiar, with,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, when I,
0: when I was a kid, we used to go to Limited 2 all the time, and they sold, like, this cheap, cheap plastic doorbell that you stuck with, like, an adhesive to your bedroom door, which, like, if my parents were at all... <laughs> smart they would not have bought for me because they would have seen that this was just going to become a practical joke device that my brother would use but every day every chance my brother got he would ring the doorbell until i cried <laughs> but like it sounds it sounds like such a cool thing it's like ooh adults have doorbells on houses i'm going to be like a cool adult and have a doorbell on my bedroom door and then my <laughs> brother used it to torment me so <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think if uh, my sister had had something like that growing up, I think every time I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would would push it on the way
0: down (laughs) the hall. Like an asshole. I
1: love that. I love that. Um, so, So just a couple other models. There was the Yak Time, which was basically what gave apple the idea for the for the iWatch i mean that's that's basically is it really
0: what gave apple the idea or <laughs> was it not. the Jetsons <laughs> well yeah
1: <laughs> so well, i had a it had very golden esque qualities about it you know being able to record things and play them back there was also the yak ball um and then there was a yak back power pen uh so a ball that could record things a pen that could record things The only one I ever owned was the Yak Backwards and it was something I got for Christmas (laughs) one year and basically it had the say button, the play button, but it also had a Yelp button, Y-A-L-P, so play backwards. So it meant that you could play whatever you recorded (laughs) in reverse. It also had the different pitch modulation things on there, the locking feature. So it had a lot of the past Yak Backs features. But that backwards thing was a lot of fun because you would try and, like, find subliminal messages in everything you said. Or you'd get a couple of my uncles drunk around Christmas dinner, and they would steal it and try to say swear words backwards. Like, huh, cuff, cuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it works, it works. I
0: was going to say, this sounds like something that your um, extended family would have much more fun playing with than you would.
1: Yes, yes. But it was very enjoyable to watch. So... um, And then the last, like, the the coup d'etat of all Yakbacks was the Yak Maniac, spelled M-A-N-I-A-K. And that literally combined everything, and it had an additional effects package. So it had, like, you know, car horns and sirens and (laughs) breaking glass and all these different crazy sounds. So... um, (laughs) That sounds like a terrible
2: idea for a kid's toy. (laughs) I must have it.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Incredibly disruptive in class, I would imagine. (laughs) But yeah, so that's basically all I have on Yakbacks. Neva did not even know what they were. Paul, did you have any uh, memories of Yakbacks or anything like that?
2: So the only one I had, I think, was the warp one. That's the one that had the pitch modulation on it. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So that was the only one I ever owned, and I picked it up, I want to say, around 96, when the movie Hackers came out. Oh, Um, sure. (laughs) In the movie Hackers, there was a lot of great scenes where they would use a yak back to play phone tones into payphones to make phone calls for free.
0: Wait, this thing was part of, like, a legitimate movie?
2: Yes. It wasn't just like a cheap kid's toy? (laughs) Well, it was both. (laughs) Yes. It was the toy first. They used it in the movie, unlike the Talkboy, which came about because Mm -hmm. of the movie. Right, right. But I tried for years to make that work, but you could not play it back (laughs) loud enough in order for it to work. But there actually was a point in time when you could play tones into a payphone and have it connect to make a call.
0: Paul, are you saying you were the original Mythbuster?
2: I don't know if I would go that far. I more just wanted free stuff. (laughs) I didn't understand the consequences that came with it.
1: With great power, they say.
2: (laughs) And Zero Cool looks so awesome doing it in Hackers.
1: That's definitely true. That is definitely true. Well, wonderful. Well, that, I think, is all we have about Yakback. So thank you so much, Steve R. from Holland, Michigan, for uh, submitting that topic. We hope we did it justice for you. Uh, We're now moving on to our main event where Adam, I mean Neva, is going to be leading us uh, (laughs) on something uh, something she knows very little about, uh, Harry Potter.
0: Yes, I had to do all of my research today, as I knew nothing at all about this topic. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so Harry Potter is one of... Well, it's one of my favorite things in the entire world, and this is not an understatement whatsoever. Um, But for those who are uninitiated or have lived under a rock since 1997, Harry Potter is a book series written by J.K. Rowling. Um, It's a seven-part series that follows the events of first an 11 year old boy named Harry Potter, who essentially um, lost his parents when he was a baby and went to live with his abusive aunt and uncle and their awful freaking kid, Dudley. Um, (laughs) And basically from the time he's a baby to the time he's 11, they raise him um, knowing that he is actually a wizard, but they try to basically stamp all of the magic crap out of him. (laughs) But you can't do that. That's impossible. So on his 11th birthday, he finds out uh, that he's actually a wizard. And not just a wizard, but a freaking famous one. So it turns out that he, the wizarding world's equivalent of Hitler, basically tried to kill him when he was a baby, but Harry didn't die. And thus, uh, Voldemort. uh,
1: You said his name.
0: Oh, he's gonna! Oh no! <laughs> he must not be named. Yeah. So Voldemort, quote unquote, died whenever he couldn't kill Harry, and now he's super, super famous in the wizarding world. So basically, the Harry Potter series takes you by each successive year through Harry's seven years of Hogwarts, and various hijinks ensue, and it's a coming-of-age story. And I think it's it's um, I, I I at least and. A lot of others credit it with, um, get, basically making our generation really, really excited to read. And it was one of the first book series that I really fell in love with. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll we'll get into our shaming of Brian later. <laughs> um, oh,
1: you don't have to do that.
0: <laughs> we do. We really do. So, um, I just spoiler alert for all of your listeners, but Brian has not read the series you've read like two books but not not the whole thing
1: i am currently in prisoner of azkaban i'm in about the (laughs) fifth chapter and have been since about 2015 so i got busy and (laughs) <laughs> That's probably not a good excuse, but no, not uh, at all. But we'll we'll, we'll get in
0: we'll, we'll get into why you're eventually going to read the book yeah, someday in yeah. in a few minutes. But Paul, have you have you read the series?
2: I have not read the series. Like Brian, I have read um I have read Prisoner of Azkaban basically. <laughs> and um, <laughs> what is
0: wrong with you people?
2: The Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> I am not a big magic. Person And yeah. I don't know why, but that and same thing with Lord of the Rings. It's just that's not the type of fantasy that I enjoy. And I, I think it's because I'm drawn more to like campy things, mm-hmm. which is why I liked the movies quite a bit because it had that mixed with the action, some other thing, yeah. uh, you know, as well. But I just couldn't get into the book series.
0: Yeah, I'm the opposite. I absolutely cannot. Like, I'll watch the movies because it's all of my favorite characters on screen, and I'll take what I can get, but I hate the movies because the only thing I can really focus on while I'm watching it is, man, if I hadn't read the books, I would have no idea what the f*** is happening because there are so many details that are just left out. And I'm not one of those people that's like a book to like an adaption purist where every detail has to be in the movies, but I just feel like a lot of it a lot of the a lot of it gets lost in translation and that's all i can think about when i watch them but i suppose um i'm just gonna have to get over that
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, see for me i guess it just kind of worked out that like i don't know i was about 10 or 11 years old when i read the entirety of lord of the rings really liked it a lot um you know, but that's not really a story. It's it's kind of a, a, a history of many different types of I was going to say, it's, it's almost a textbook. Yeah. yeah. So when I started hearing that something, like about the age of like 13 or so, or 14, you know, I started hearing about, oh, this Harry Potter thing is really big, and all these books are coming out, and people are really into it. I was just kind of like, eh, I it can't be Tolkien, so... Uh. <laughs> uh, You pretentious
0: asshole. Well,
1: (laughs) the thing is, is after I really enjoyed reading the first two books. I really like J.K. Rowling's writing style. Who really likes
0: well-crafted prose, anyways? Yeah.
1: Well, it it very much feels like someone telling you a children's story, but it's written in a way that doesn't feel like Mm -hmm. childish either. It's it's very interesting how she writes, and she's very descriptive about things without spending like 12 pages talking about uh the chain mail that a particular army of elves is wearing or something like <laughs> i was that.
0: gonna say jk rowling um you know because this was largely the first real work of fiction that i got really truly into this was the first time that i was seeing like plot devices and red herrings and things that are set up in like book two come to fruition and like Half blood prints are all the way down the line. And there's, it, it's just, it was so cool to start, you know, while you're reading, kind of analyzing all of the textures of the book. Whereas a lot of kids' books that I had read to that point, and just to give you the context, I first started reading Harry Potter when it, the year it came out. So 1997, I was seven. So every book that I had read or had been read to up until that point was just very, two-dimensional it's like this is this and that is that and this is the lesson that you learn but in Harry Potter you start getting all of these textures and all of these like plot devices and it really taught me how to enjoy or just to enjoy reading as you know a fun pastime and I truly fell in love with all of the characters um on a really weird like like weird level, but, <laughs> oh but um... I
2: have a, a qu- I have a, a question. It's something that I noticed because I read the first book and then I jumped to what I believe is the third or the That's fourth. The way so to I do read it. Fla- <laughs> it. It was mostly to appease my wife. Ah, ah. Um, go Stacy.
0: <laughs> but one
2: thing that I noticed is I don't want to say the voice of the book changed, but I felt like the content got much more adult as yes. Harry grew up. Is that a common theme across all of them? Or did I just pick one of the darker books? No,
0: that's actually well known throughout the Harry Potter fandom, is that the first, I would say the first... Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets both have, um, of the seven books, a more childlike tone in that it's very, very accessible for, you know, seven to 10 year olds to be reading it. But as the series continues and the themes get darker and real characters that you love and have gotten to know over the years start to die or as or just as like the themes themselves get darker, so does the telling of the story. Um mm-hmm. And... Yeah, so I would that that's definitely like a good um a well-known kind of key element to the books is that as you or as we grew up reading them, the tone of the books changed too for sure. So Brian, yes. I feel like now is a really good time to tell the story of how you read the first two Harry Potter books and why you will uh, read I actually uh, <laughs> the I'm going through a them.
1: tunnel right now. I can't hear you very well. I'm going to have to call you back. Uh, <laughs> Go on, go on.
0: Okay, so I've known Brian for eight years, and in that time, he has had this weird, um, I'm going to call it a fanatic love of satanic death metal. (laughs) 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 Do you want to dig your way out of that one for a second, or am I allowed to say that?
1: (laughs) I happen to be a fan of... All metal. (laughs) All metal. I like scary movies. I like the horror genre. So I... Do enjoy, you know, some of, some of the darker themed music. I wouldn't say that I'm an obsessive fanatic or anything like that, but, but go on, go on. I'm allowed to. I'm
0: your wife. This is, these are the things that I'm allowed to say. But, um, (laughs) so Brian has always listened to this one particular artist whose name is King Diamond. And, um, not to pull too many punches, but I hate him. I hate his, (laughs) I hate his music. Brian loves it. So, this, I mean, Brian, this guy's pretty old, right? So he had stopped touring, or you were pretty sure he wasn't going to do live tours anymore? So,
1: yeah, back in like, I want to say like 2007 or 2008, he had herniated a disc in his neck and. Uh, While singing? I have no idea how it <laughs> happened. That's impressive. <laughs> Probably while playing shuffleboard, he is getting I mean, up there. But most uh, people get
0: hernias when they poop, so I, I imagine you can do it when you sing.
1: A herniated disc, not a hernia. Shh.
2: <laughs> so he's is he like Jeopardy old or is he like Rockstar old? Where the drugs have just taken a toll? No, yes. no. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no, he's uh, he's not that old, but he he's like late fifties, early sixties, and you know when he hurt his neck or his back or whatever, he had to like. It took several years for him to get back up and at it, and and kind of the big thing is like why his live performance is a big part of it. So he's known for being someone who sings a lot about the occult. He has a crazy <laughs> wide <laughs> register, like he can sing in multiple octaves, spiders
0: um, and children and covens and all the yeah. all the fun stuff you want in your music.
1: But the but the <laughs> big thing is like his live performance. There's usually some you know aspect where he ends up being put in a coffin and the coffin set on fire or there's things, Mm. you know, where he's going (laughs) up and down different staircases and acting out different scenes from his songs. Um, So he is an expressive and theatrical (laughs) performer. And when you have a herniated disc like an old man, it really impacts how much of a performance that you can you can perform. So So
0: long story short, Brian thought he was never going to get the chance to see this guy in concert. And he actually started touring again and came to Silver Spring, Maryland, which is very close to where we live. So I made, I, I made a deal with Brian and I said, not only, I made did. a pact <laughs> and I made you sign it with blood. blood. But, um, but no, so, so the agreement was, and Brian will hear about this until the day he dies, I'm sure, but the agreement was that not only would I attend the concert, I would buy the tickets, I would pay for dinner, I would smile, and I would act as though I was having a good time at this show, and in exchange, Brian would read all seven Harry Potter books. And what was this, like four (laughs) years ago?
1: It's, it's been a minute for sure. It's been Uh. a
0: minute. (laughs) So like, so, okay. So to be fair to Brian, he read, uh, he read Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone. If you're in the UK, he read the first book and he read Chamber of Secrets in pretty rapid succession. You read them, you know, one after the other. I have a picture of you reading Prisoner of Azkaban, but you, I guess it just fizzled didn't captivate you as much as the rest of us
1: (laughs) i I don't remember what happened i like i said i just got busy and then uh and then i never got back to it so i don't know i don't know it's something i've definitely it's on my list of things to do for sure um
0: spoiler alert snape kills dumbledore
1: I know, <laughs> most, I know most of these spoilers, thankfully. Would you like to share that story with everyone, Neva?
0: <laughs> yes, this is this is actually how the the story of how a young, impressionable Neva first found out what spoilers are. Um, okay, so <laughs> I'm sure your listeners know at this point, but Harry Potter, um, part of the whole fandom aspect was that while the books were still coming out, people like me were Gigantically obsessed with it. So what started to happen that I don't think really had ever happened before in terms of book releases, but there used to be midnight parties at places like Barnes and Noble and the artist formerly known as Borders. Oh, um, sad, but we, sad. I know peace, peace be to Borders. But, um, <laughs> so we would buy tickets and we would, um, we would buy tickets and we would go at midnight and, you know, stand in line to get our copy of the book at midnight. So I did that for obviously all of, I think it was like Goblet of Fire all the way through the end. But for Half-Blood Prince specifically, I bought the book. I stayed up all night reading it. I went to sleep at like five o'clock in the morning with like three chapters to go or something like that. And I wake up and I literally am on AIM Peace be to AIM, yep,
1: yep. <laughs> and all, all sort of bygone know, things in this blockbusters, discussion. Blockbusters,
0: AIM, Borders. We're hitting the we're hitting the biggest hits of the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I got on AIM. I was talking to my cousin, and she was like, "Oh my god, did you see that Snape killed Dumbledore?" And it's still a sore spot between the two of us. <laughs> like I too soon. legit, yes, yes, it is far, it is much too soon to even be talking about this. The scars are still fresh. But um, I cried. I was so mad because I had spent the entire night reading this damn book and found out the biggest spoiler like literally guys, I was 10 pages from that part. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 10 pages I counted it. But um yeah, so that was how I first found out what spoilers and heartbreak were. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, so you guys, what are your you've seen the movies I know I mean, Brian you've at least read a couple of books so you have to have a good grasp of the characters so what are your favorite Harry Potter characters? Silence. That guy from X-Files with, <laughs> in the cabin in the woods. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Raspberry <laughs> Yeah 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 <laughs> It
0: was, a question,
1: was. <laughs> it was a question addressed to both of us. I was letting Paul answer first. were you being are...
0: so polite. <laughs> Don't you know me at all.
1: Don't you know me at all. I would say probably my favorite characters would be the Weasley twins. So yeah. Fred, Fred and George are probably my yes. favorite. They're, they're rambunctious and funny. And yet when they need to be really serious and like, you know, help out and save the day. They're always there to, to do their fair share. Love
2: I bounce it. back and forth between Hagrid and Sirius Black.
0: Uh, two of my... Okay, they are f- fantastic characters to bounce back and forth between. Hagrid is just the most good, pure kind-hearted character, I think that exists in literature, I could be wrong.
1: <laughs> Hagrid <laughs> could, has an amazing could be beard, <laughs> and he has a flying motorcycle, and for those reasons, he is kind of a badass.
0: And he can cry at the drop of a hat, so he's a he's a big, burly man with emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. For Hagrid. me,
1: it's
2: all about the three-headed dog. Yes. Oh, that is pretty cool. Fluffy. And the beard.
0: <laughs> well, that was the other thing, is I always... I I just loved Hagrid and his like ridiculous, asinine love of dangerous things that could kill him and others.
1: (laughs) Yeah, didn't he, Uh, uh, didn't he keep a dragon for a while?
0: He did. He kept Norbert the dragon until he was forced to get rid of it. Um, he, yeah, he was the caretaker of the three-headed dog, Fluffy, that almost killed children on the grounds of Hogwarts. He was famous for his blast-ended scroots, <laughs> which, Brian, I don't think you know about yet.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds like a medical condition, so... <laughs> or, or something
0: or something super dirty.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> if you go on, like, Urban Dictionary, I'm sure there's, like, a, scroot, bla- scroot, a, a, scroot, scroot, scroot. a blast-ended scroot, like, sex move. <laughs> yeah. Is that too dirty for this podcast?
1: (laughs) We don't have an explicit label yet. Now that you've been on the show, we might need one. Well, now that I've
0: come through, (laughs) I have to hold all of this back from my podcast because we're technically clean. (laughs) I
1: had no idea you were a sailor. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, Brian,
2: if we can get back to the Brian shaming for a moment. Oh, please. Okay. I've noticed that you have you you seem to have uh, quite a bit of knowledge of the characters, so have you ever thought about just faking your way out of this bet? I there's mean, no way. There's Sparknotes, there's Wikipedia. It feels like if you just put forth a little effort, you could have made your way through this.
1: I have a lot of great qualities and effort is pretty low on that list, I suppose. <laughs> Motivation um,
0: for something he really doesn't give a shit about is not really high on that list well, <laughs>
1: the thing is, i really enjoyed reading the first two books and i enjoyed what i had read of the third book i just
0: and then the tone just became too dark and you couldn't hang on
1: <laughs> no no i don't think that's it yeah i had to go to much lighter mr. topics mr king like... diamond guy yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> all right i'm sorry i'm done with the brian shaming <laughs> no, i'll
0: never be done with the brian shaming but for the purposes of this episode sure we can move on <laughs> yes yes
1: so, um, if you had to pick a favorite book in the series, Neva, what would be your favorite?
0: Oh, God. You know, a lot of people hate, or, okay, for a lot of people, their least favorite book is The Order of the Phoenix, which was the longest one. Um, but a lot of the reasons is because that was the year that Harry was 15, and I, I think he, what, what was it called, all caps Harry, where he was just emo and yelling at everyone all the time and really <laughs> mad. But that was, like, that was my absolute favorite book ever and it was just because i feel like that was a like a true turning point year in the books i mean voldemort had just come back to power at the end of the fourth book the wizarding world and and the muggle world at large they're dealing with the repercussions of the fact that this bad guy who's been hyped up for four whole freaking books is now back in power and it kind of um I really enjoyed reading about kind of the government aspect where they just refuse to do anything about it and kind of what that resistance looked like. And I, I really, mm. really loved The Order of the Phoenix. So come on, Brian, put the big boy pants on and get to it. <laughs>
2: is he allowed to skip around?
0: No, he is not. Sorry, Brian, I tried. Chronological order or bust.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. That concert was maybe two and a half hours long. (laughs)
0: Excuse me. I think it was a more than fair trade.
2: (laughs) You signed a pact in blood, Brian. That's right.
1: That's right. (laughs) Um, That being said, even
0: (laughs) even the Order of the Phoenix was my favorite book to read. My favorite movies will always be um, the... Uh, the first two. So it was kind of the first depiction of Harry Potter on the big screen. It, I, I, I still feel like of all of the book or all of the movies, even though they became technologically more advanced, the effects became better as the movies went on. I feel like the first two captured the magic and the childlike wonder of the world, the hmm. best of any of them. So I will always have a soft spot for the first two, even though again, for a lot of people, those are their least favorite. Um, well,
1: we will definitely be talking about the movies at another point. And I think it'd be really great. That's to have another both- topic. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And I think it'd be great if uh, both you and Adam could talk about them because he is also a huge fan. I know he did all of the midnight book releases and all that stuff, too. So it'd be really great if uh, we could get the two of you discussing while Paul and I go make a quick Taco Bell run or something like that. Um- <laughs> you guys didn't hear I- I'm
0: actually replacing Adam uh, permanently, right?
1: We uh, we didn't hear that either. Uh, Weird. He he shames me a lot less, so I don't know. Uh, I've lost um, support
0: from the inside.
1: That's right. That's right. And maybe yeah. um, I'm a
2: fair weather fan. I'll go where <laughs> I'll go wherever the shaming is occurring. and yeah, just so. jump on the uh, bandwagon. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right. Well, I think it might be really cool for our listeners to have the two of you guys get together at some point for maybe a like a, a shorter mini episode where the two of you discuss Harry Potter at <laughs> nauseum, and maybe Paul and I will join. Maybe we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs>
2: no, Depends we're gonna wait. Go we'll to a have. King Diamond uh, concert. <laughs> yeah That's
0: right. <laughs> No, we're just gonna wait until you read all of the books. So come on, Brian, clock's a ticking. Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> great, great. I am inspired by your optimism that this show will last that long.
0: <laughs> Someone has to believe in you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although then the dating ourselves show will then be like what is the pod mean in podcast. <laughs> when you I feel it, it's already there. Yeah, that's probably true. That thing that looks like your phone used to just only play music. <laughs> well, were there any other last takeaways that you had about Harry Potter?
0: Um, I, I just can't ever overemphasize how much... I love these books. I feel like for me, it was, I mean, this is, this is the series that actually got me into Lord of the Rings. And I mean, I know, Brian, you started with Lord of the Rings, but this was what got me into fantasy as a genre. Um, so I, I loved magic. I'm still waiting for my Hogwarts letter any day now, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it'll come <laughs> despite the fact that I'm going to be 30 sooner than later. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I just love Harry Potter and, Ah, uh, it's it was it's the best book series ever. Anyways, I'll stop fangirling now.
1: <laughs>
2: Goosebumps are bust.
1: That's right. You got to read all of those now.
0: Absolutely not.
2: <laughs> she could do it in a weekend. I guarantee. It. Oh she's yeah. She's read all. If she read the, all the Harry Potter books on the <laughs> night of the release, she could read every the complete masterworks
1: of R.L. Stein in a
0: weekend. I'm not stupid. I'm not signing a contract. <laughs>
1: Well, then. (laughs) I'm not sure what that implies, but... uh... Nothing at all. Okay. All right. (laughs) So we've come to that special time where we visit the Hopper of Imagination and find out what we will discuss next week.
0: And I would like to remind all of your listeners that if there is a topic that you'd like to hear these guys discuss, you can submit all of them at their website at www.datingourselvespodcast.com.
1: That's right. Wonderful. So we are going to do the normal thing where we pick... Three topics out of the four that I pull out of the hopper imagination. Get and to the Neva... hopper. There you go. Get down. With the hopper. <laughs> See, it's a thing. It's catching on. I'm allowed to do it, right? <laughs> That's right. You're on the show, right? So, Neva, you will be helping Adam pick a topic. Oh, um, I get to
0: pick for him. And yeah. you,
1: are, you are familiar with the rules, correct? We're each allowed to collectively pass on one topic, but I won't draw any more than four. So, if we make it to the fourth topic... Whoever has not picked a topic yet, that will be theirs, whether they like it or not.
0: I think I grasp your rules, and I'm ready to go.
1: Terrific, terrific. All right, the first topic is Bruce Campbell. Celebrity. Dibs. Actor. Don't. One, D- two, D- three. <laughs> of dibs. Dibs apparently. <laughs> All right. Is that
0: not how it usually works?
1: <laughs> I forgot to mention I count to three first. but little
0: but slap like, happy. It, it, it,
1: it, it's, it's
2: Bruce M.F. Campbell. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Um, that was uh, definitely a topic that was suggested, yes. And apparently there is some type of monogram in the middle of Mr. Campbell's name uh, for M.F. I uh, don't know what those stand for, but... All right, Paul will be Bruce. They were ben. in
2: all caps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one will be um, Mighty Joe Young movie. One, two, three.
2: Pass. Well, I already
0: we ca-
1: already have a topic, and I <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass as well. Neva,
0: I think Adam will also pass.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is like an Uh, auction. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next topic will be Weird Al Yankovic, music artist. One, (laughs) two, three dibs. I will definitely happily take
2: that. I feel like you rushed that one and you didn't give Adam a chance.
0: (laughs) I wasn't going to take that from him.
2: (laughs) Well, well, this I is like it. insider trading. <laughs> Although I did yell dibs before the I was gonna say
0: You have no room to, to point fingers over there.
1: All right. So Adam 2.0, are you ready to hear what Adam 1.0's topic is going to be?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. It's going to be Dolly the Sheep. One, two, three.
0: What so... in the world is Dolly the Sheep? <laughs> it's, uh, it's the cloned sheep. It's the sheep that was cloned. I'm not going to lie. I, honest to God, thought you were about to say Dolly the Llama. <laughs> I was like, where is this going?
1: <laughs> uh, if only, if only.
0: So, uh, yes, my, uh, my client Adam would like to take Dolly the Sheep.
1: all right all right didn't bill murray caddy for him once (laughs) i think so i think so well folks that's our show thanks for joining us on dating ourselves and holy monkey toes thanks for joining us today and providing us with your expertise neva Uh, and remind everybody again uh, where can they find you in the internet world
0: Yeah. So again, I am one of the co-hosts of the Full Fat Foodies podcast. Like I mentioned earlier, it is a health, wellness, fitness, nutrition uh, podcast. Um, If you are into that sort of thing, I definitely uh, suggest that you check it out. You can find us at www.thefullfatfoodies.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on on Instagram. Uh, I have no idea how to tweet, so you can look there, but You're not going to see much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're pretty good at that. You want to tell uh, the listeners where they can find
0: our show, too? For sure. If you liked what you heard on this episode, there is for sure more to come. Check these guys out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about them and the show and to check out uh, their contact us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics uh, you can also send them submissions at at Aol.com.
2: we've got mail <laughs>
1: yes we do
2: <laughs> you can also find us on TuneIn radio google music itunes and wherever podcasts are downloaded
1: Check out additional content from us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us there at Dating Ourselves Podcast. And we do the Twitter thing too, perhaps maybe a little better than Neva. Uh, you guys are so at cool. <laughs> <laughs> My space
2: question mark?
1: <laughs> One day, we'll see.
2: Veto. Well, before I, before I sign off, I do want to say, Neva, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you set you the so bar much. very high <laughs> for our next guest. Thank you, guys. And with that, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. So long, See you
1: guys.
0: Bye.